Did I see that right? Did Jeff almost lose him? <laughs> Would you all validate that for me so I can? That happened to me. <laughs> ah, great. That did happen to me. And um, it was kind of, actually, the guy was so tall and so much larger than me that when I brought him back, his head hit the edge of the tank. I felt so bad, you know, just knocked him out. And went, no, I'm just kidding, but all right. Well, this five-week series in 1 Peter is all about living lives that are so genuine that those who know us well know that we're, we're someone who can be trusted, and they respect us for this. They, they look at our life, and they see a consistency between what we say we believe and how, how we live. And so if they were asked to describe us, they would use words like integrity or honesty. And, and they would say, they would say, you know, he's a really nice person, or she is. A really, they're a genuine person in what they say they believe. They would see in us a, a love that goes beyond the words that we speak to what we do to help make life better for other people. And th as they look at us, they would see in us a humility. They would, they would know that we're not somebody that, that pretends like we're better than everybody else, that we wouldn't be willing to acknowledge our own, our own weaknesses, our own struggles, our own failures, our own shortcomings. We're very open about that. And they respect us because we're that way, and they trust us. This was Peter's number one concern in this letter that these early believers that he was now writing, penning this letter to, would live lives that are genuine, that they would, that they, in, in the midst of their suffering, these people really were suffering. I mean, you're talking, you're talking, we use the word refugees today, they were refugees who were scattered throughout the Roman Empire back then. They had, they had lost really absolutely everything they had, and they were suffering a great deal. And yet you read Peter's letter, and you will not find a hint of regret in it for the suffering that these people are going through. You're, P, Peter doesn't say a word where, where he exp, in any way expresses that, that he feels sorry for them or he wishes that they weren't having to go through the hardship that they're going through. Instead, he does the very opposite. He, he encourages them and he challenges them to make the most of the suffering that they're going through, to just maximize it in their lives and in, in the lives of other people. And, and, and so he, he leads with this life-changing perspective. And we, I, we read it last Sunday, and we'll probably read it again next week. He said, right at the very beginning, he said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, he said, why? He said, in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That's the perspective that Peter wants to get across to these people from right from the get-go as he begins writing this letter. And then he made this statement, which I really believe is the key statement in this whole book, and it's everything that Peter is going to write about. He said, in all this you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, I love that, a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And then he, he, he gives the why, why they're going through this, that it has purpose. And he said, these have come so that your faith 
of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So the key, the key phrase there is so that your faith may be proved genuine. That's Peter's number, his number one concern. He isn't concerned that these people are going to be able to somehow escape the trials in their life, get out from underneath them. His concern is that in the midst of their, tri of their trials they're going through, by the lives that they're living, they'll prove that their faith is genuine. And then that's what he talks about throughout the rest of this letter. And so the last three Sundays, we've looked at the first three. And, and the first one is that, that they would live lives that are holy, genuinely righteous lives, the kind of life that where they're not contradicting the, what they say in their faith in Jesus Christ, and then also that they're living with a focus on, on eternity, where others see the difference that eternity is making in what you value in your life right now, and then, as we saw last Sunday, that we're loving other people in the same way that Jesus loves us, in the same way Jesus loves you. And I would just say, if you were gone any one of these three Sundays, I would encourage you to go online and to brookside.net and you can watch any one of these, of these three sermons. Well, this morning, we come to a, a powerful set of verses that really point us to another way, another significant way in which we can, we can show people that our faith in Jesus Christ is the real deal, that, that it's genuine. And I've got to tell you, everybody, <laughs> I, I am in awe of how well Peter said what he did in these verses. I love this whole, this whole letter, all of 1 Peter. In fact, Jeff and I were talking this last week. We, we're going through the thing that preachers go through when they, when they preach through a book. You, 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 like, you, you, you fall in love with it. And like, I want to stay in it, you know, like forever kind, kind of a deal. And I feel that way about 1 Peter. I absolutely love that book. But I can... I really think, everybody, that, that my, you know, the verses that mean the most to me are the ones that we come to today. So we're going to read these, and, and then we'll, we'll look at them together and see what they, what they say to us. So Peter writes, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared. Yep, that's right. <laughs> thought for a minute I was reading the wrong scripture. All right. Let's start over. All right. In your, it's, I'm going to be 64 next month. So, okay. In, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared. That's, that's the key statement for today. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. And then he goes on. He said, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And then he said, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And then he finishes off with this. He said, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Made alive by the Spirit. Now, over the last three weeks, we've had a big takeaway, like the, 
thing we want you to walk out of here with and be sure and remember, it's a big application, it's a big point that we're making in, in each one of these sermons. So t- here's the big point for today, all right? A person, with, a person with genuine faith is prepared to share Christ. A person with genuine faith is prepared to share Christ. You know, wouldn't you agree with me? Really, the truth is... We prepare ourselves for what matters, matters to us, right? If something matters to us, we prepare ourselves. We want to do it very, very well. We want to do it to the very best of our ability. So uh, I've got a, I brought a couple things with me this morning. Um, this isn't the way I golf, by the way. Just don't, <laughs> All right, it's the way people golf who golf with me. They always wear, wear a helmet. All right, so uh, this is Confession Sunday, all right? This is Confession Sunday. I'm, conf- I'm going to confess to all of you about my, about my golf and my bike riding. All right, now, so let me, let me tell you a story about this golf club. I went down this morning before coming here to the furnace room where I keep my golf clubs to, to bring this. This is a four iron, and I actually, I actually got a set of golf clubs from a, a guy years ago. And let me tell you a story. It's, uh, it's, his name is Mike Jacoby, and his wife's name is Colleen. And I met Mike and Colleen way back in the 80s, back when we were in the little, little shopping mall, the little strip mall uh, on West Center Road. Uh, Mike's parents dragged him to church. He was a young guy in his early 20s. He wanted absolutely nothing to do with God. He wanted nothing to do with church. I could tell, I can still remember where Mike was sitting. I kid you not. For some reason, I remember that. And, and he would, the whole time, it was like he had his, he had his, like his hands on his, you know, his, his elbow on his knees, and he was kind of like, you know, enough of this already. Let me get out of here, kind of a look on his face. But then we, we talked afterwards for a bit, and we connected, and I asked, I said, Mike, would you ever want to go out and have lunch? And so we went out and had lunch, and we connected even more, and I found out Mike was dating a, uh, a woman by the name of Colleen, and, and for both Mike and Colleen, God and church was just not a part of their life. And the more Mike and I, t- Mike actually came back, and he brought Colleen with him, and we connected even more, and then finally the opportunity came. Mike was ready to have the conversation. Colleen was ready, so uh, we got together, and, and I had a conversation with them, like the one I'm going to have with all of you this morning, where I'm going I'm to talk through with you how it's possible for someone to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And Mike and Colleen both made the decision that day to trust in Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? You know what's really fun, coincidentally? Mike and Colleen were in church. They live in Dallas. They lived in Dallas for years. And he would call me every you know, every, uh, every one or two years, so we always stay connected, but it's been a while, and I, after worship last Sunday, I was walking to the back, and this couple step out, and it was Mike and Colleen, i just like, whoa, I can't believe it, it was just so much fun, well, several years ago, Mike called me up, and he said, Steve, you know, I really appreciate uh, the time at Brookside, and how it, aff- it affected my life spiritually, and how Jesus Christ became my savior, and he said, uh, you know, you were part of that, so I would love to buy you some golf clubs. And so I, I, these are really good golf clubs. So I, I, I got golf cl- I actually had these made, and, and, uh, 
And I, and I golfed for just a little, you know, in fact, this is what I did. I stood in front of this church on a Sunday morning and announced to everybody that I was going to golf. I kid you not, the number of people who brought me, men who brought me books on golfing, who I had, I had one guy who stopped, stopped over with videos on, on golfing. I mean, I mean, you name it. They, the guys wanted to take me golfing. They wanted me to practice golfing. And I golfed maybe for about three years. And I quit. All right? I, I quit because I didn't really get into golf all that much. It didn't matter all that much to me. All right? So then... I stood in front of this church one Sunday. It wasn't too long ago, if you all remember, if you were here. I had this a bike up here with me. Anybody here that Sunday remember that? And I told all of you that our daughter Nikki in Seattle had, had said to me, Dad, I want you to do this bike trip with me. It was about a 200-mile bike trip. And so I went out and bought myself a, a really nice, it's a really decent bike. And I brought it up to all of you and showed you, and I I got everything that you get with biking, like these stupid hats, you know, that look absolutely crazy, and then all that other stuff that you wear, and even shoes that you clip on, and, and so my confession to you is I have, not even, I have not even rode one mile in that bicycle. I have never worn this helmet on my head. Not once have I done that, and you know why? Because my daughter... I did this because my daughter really matters to me. That's why I agreed to do this whole thing. And then things worked out that we couldn't get into that bike trip. And, and so biking doesn't matter to me. I don't want a bike, you know. So it's just been sitting down in the furnace room right close to my golf clubs. All right. So I have kept them, everybody. I have kept my golf clubs and I have kept my bicycle because I have said to myself, maybe someday I'll golf. And maybe someday I'll ride my bike. And my hope this morning, everybody, is not a single one of us, not a single one of us will say to ourselves, what I'm going to talk about this morning, maybe, maybe someday I will prepare myself to share my faith with another person. Maybe someday I'll have a conversation with another person about my faith. I hope none of us will say that, that maybe someday I'll do that, but we never get around to that day. Because I believe with all of my heart, if your faith is genuine, if you really believe in Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and if you really believe in an eternal heaven and an eternal hell, it will matter to you that people know the truth of God's grace through Jesus Christ. It will matter to you so much that you will do what it takes to prepare yourself, and you will ask God to give you opportunity. You will make opportunities. You will be intentional about making opportunities to share your faith in Jesus. Jesus Christ with other people. You will not say to yourself, let someone else do it. You will not say to yourself, I never could do that. All right? That's what I'm hoping this morning. That's what I'm hoping this morning. 
I'm hoping that you'll never say, maybe someday. I'm hoping that you will believe this statement with all of your heart, that a person with genuine faith is prepared to share their faith in, in Christ. They're prepared to share their faith in Christ. Now, that's our takeaway this morning. And what we're going to see is how strategic Peter was in, in really unpacking this truth for us. And he gives to us two ways to be prepared. And I'm convinced that Peter gives them to us in exactly the right order, the right priority. First of all, it's to prepare our hearts. And second, it's to prepare our minds. So let's look at both of these. First of all, preparing your heart. Preparing your heart. So coming back... Again, to the suffering of the men and women reading this letter, Peter makes this bold statement. He said this, even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. How's that for perspective? These were men and women literally putting their lives on the line for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter's telling them that they're blessed. I mean, how is that possible? How is it possible for anybody to be blessed in the midst of such extreme suffering, having lost everything and they're refugees? How is it possible? Well, first of all, they're blessed because they have the certainty of eternal life with God in heaven. Something that nobody could ever take from them. Just like Paul wrote at the end of the 8th of the chapter of Romans where he said, Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So they're blessed that way. And they're also blessed by what the Spirit of God can do through them to help other people know God's grace through Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you, everybody, there is absolutely nothing better than seeing the look of the light in somebody's eyes and the tears in their eyes as they understand that God loves them. God loves them. And so, this being true, Peter tells them to be bold and living their faith and making their faith known to other people and doing this out of deep sense of reverence for Christ. And it's here where, where our heart preparation begins. And so Peter said this. He said, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In your hearts, Revere Christ as Lord. I got to tell everybody, this was written by a, by a guy who would die as a martyr for his faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, church tradition tells us, it's, it's been handed down, that, that Peter was crucified upside down. And the reason he was crucified this way is that Peter told the Romans who were going to execute him that he, did, he was not worthy to die the same way as Jesus Christ. And so they said to him, well, we'll fix that. And so they crucified him upside down. Okay, and I believe that probably really happened. And so Peter's saying to all of us, he's saying to the people back then, and he's saying to you and me today, decide once and for all, 
that Jesus is going to be the pinnacle of your commitment. Decide once and for all to, wait, to make what matters most to Jesus front and center in your own life, knowing that what matters most to Jesus Christ is helping people find him and follow him as Savior and Lord of their lives. Hey, that's what Peter's saying. And then in the same sentence, it's really kind of funny in Greek, it's all one sentence. In the same sentence, he then said, he said, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always, because Christ is Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. Eh? And then staying on message with this whole thing of heart preparation, he said this, but do this, do it with gentleness, gentleness and respect. <laughs> Knowing it's not only what you say and answering the question why you believe what you believe, but how you say it. Peter emphasizes this as part of our heart preparation that, that we will say what we say with gentleness and we'll do it with respect. And what this does for all of us is it takes away any, any room for the smallest in-your-face behavior toward another person. Any, any bit of, I'm here to prove I'm right and that you're wrong. Any, any bit of arrogance or impatience toward the other person. Any bit of criticism or, or irritation toward that person. Instead, your heart will be right in this thing. And you see yourself as a servant to that person. You, you, have the, you have the greatest good news to share with them. And you want to do it in a way that, that they, you show total respect for that person. Where you're kind, as, as kind and, and helpful and considerate and thoughtful toward them. As you would want anybody to be toward you if you were them and they were having the conversation with you. And so bottom line. Bottom line, you want to be the kind of person that gives whoever you're talking with the confidence that you genuinely care for them. And I can just tell you, everyone, from experience, it makes all the difference in the world. People can tell whether or not you really care. They can tell whether or not you, you love them and, and, and you're having the conversation with them because you care so deeply for them. And if they know you do, it just opens up their heart to hearing what you have to say. So first of all, preparing your heart. And then preparing your mind. Preparing yourself to give the reason for the hope you have. Why you believe what you believe. And I just got to tell you, everybody, I am, I am so impressed with how concisely Peter shows us exactly what to say in sharing our faith with another person. And he does it in all of two sentences. All of two sentences. One verse, this statement. And we're going to, I'm just going to unpack it for you phrase by phrase, but I'm just going to read it first. He said, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Just that one verse. Two sentences. In fact, you know what? If, if you take seriously what we're talking about this morning, this is the first thing you can do to prepare yourself. You can memorize that verse. 
And, and I would say, don't say, don't, don't tell yourself that you can't memorize, because you can. But if you, if you need to, before you get it memorized, you can write that verse down on a, on a little, like a business card or a little, you know, little note card, and you can just carry it with you all the time. So when you're intentionally looking for an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody about your faith, you can just pull out that card, or if you got that verse memorized, you can just write it out on a piece of paper as you're having a conversation with them. You've got everything you need in this verse. And so I want to show you this. I'm going to talk it through with you phrase by phrase. And, and what we're going to see is that each phrase of this really, by the time we get done, you've got everything you need. And, and anybody would have anything they need to be able to understand how to have a right relationship with God. So let's do that. But first, let me get a drink. Okay. Uh, so let's begin. First phrase. Christ died for sins once for all. So you begin the conversation about Christ, about Jesus Christ. You talk with them about who Jesus Christ is, that he's the eternal son of God. And then you, you talk with them about what Jesus Christ did, that, that he became a human being. He, he became as human as any one of us sitting here today. And, and I've said so many times in conversations, this is, this is what Christmas is all about. Because I found so often many people haven't been able to connect the dots together. You know, this is what Christmas is. It's, it's, it's a miracle, I believe, that greater than, than creation itself. That the God who created this universe at a point in time was willing to humble himself so that he was conceived within the womb of a woman. And he was born like every single one of us. He was every bit as human as as we're human, and he experienced every bit of life like you and I have experienced. All of it, every bit of it, including death. And so you have this amazing statement, Christ died. Christ died. The eternal Son of God died because he was human. But the difference between his death and our death is that his death was for a purpose. And so you can show them Christ died for sins. He died for sins, your sin and my sin. And, and, and so I'll have a conversation that, that all of us, we have the same problem. We're all sinners. And so Christ died for sins. In other words, let me say it this way. Christ died for sinners. He died for sinners. And he didn't do it many times. You know, in the Old Testament, you, you have, if, 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 if you've read the Old Testament ever, or if you haven't, let me explain what happens. In the Old Testament, you will, and if I was having a conversation with you right now, and you were sitting across the table from me, and, and, and you didn't share, you didn't know, you, you, not, all of this was new, I would say, you know, one of the things that happened in the Old Testament is that they would offer all of these animals as sacrifices, Lamb after lamb after lamb after lamb, they would offer as a sacrifice. And every single one of those lambs were pointing to the sacrifice of God's son, Jesus Christ, who was once called the Lamb of God. But the difference is he did it only once. Once. He only had to do it once. And so I, I'll, I'll explain that when Jesus Christ hung on that Roman cross and when he was dying, just before he died, in fact, in the, in, the, in the hours leading up to his death, Jesus said several different things. 
And the last thing he did, the last thing he said was he cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. And what he meant by that is once and for all it's been done. I'm never going to have to offer my life again. I'm giving my life as a sacrifice for the sin of mankind. It's finished. It's done. Incredible. And so Christ died for sins once for all. The next phrase. The righteous for the unrighteous. The righteous for the unrighteous. That's really the heart of what the Christian faith is all about. Jesus Christ did something that none of us in this room have ever been able to do. He lived an absolutely righteous life. He never sinned. He never sinned in what he thought. He never said in anything he ever said. He never sinned in anything that he did. He was totally 100% righteous in everything that he did. The righteous for the unrighteous. The unrighteous being me and the unrighteous being you. I um, just had this conversation with somebody about two weeks ago. In fact, we were at Chuck's restaurant. And uh, somebody that just recently had started attending Brookside and sent me this great email and said, man, I'd really like to know more. I'd like to know where to take it. I'm hearing about Jesus Christ and and understanding how important all of that is to you, but I just really don't, I, I really need to be able to put it all together. So we got together at Shucks, and we had this conversation that I'm having with all of you this morning where I'm showing you how you can share your faith with another person, and I said to him what I've said, <laughs> I can't even count the number of times, and I said, you know, uh, I would love to do something for you. I can tell you really, sincere and you want to have a you know right relationship with God I mean these weren't my exact words they all always change but I but I always have said this I'll say you know what I, I want to do something for you I want to die for your sin okay and then when I said that I said why why wouldn't that do you any good and he got it he said because you got the same problem I have you're a sinner Sinners cannot die for sinners to take care of, of each person's sin. There has to be the sinless son of God, someone who never sinned, someone who's absolutely righteous, giving his life for the unrighteous. And so then that brings us to the, to the next statement. Um, and it's this, uh, Christ uh, died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, to bring you to God. Um, that's a beautiful statement. I mean, just think of that. To bring you to God, to bring me to God. See, and, 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 and in fact, what, what happened that day is I normally will have like a little card with me or a piece of paper, and I actually had it laying out in the car, and I went into the restaurant, and I forgot about it. But he had his notebook with it, and he said, I said, oh, man, I you know, always usually have a piece of paper. He said, well, you can use my notebook. And so I, I did it in my conversation with him, and I've shown you all this before. It's so simple, but it communicates it so clearly. I just said, it's like this. There's, there's this huge chasm between us and God. All right? And so we've got, we had that conversation, right? And so we, I, I, but God up there, and God in his holiness, and God in his justice. And then, 
you know, all, God in his perfect righteousness. And then, and then I, I wrote my name and I wrote his name down here, but I'll just write us for all of us, okay? And I said, we've all got a problem. We're all sinners. And because of our sin, there's this huge chasm between us and God that, that's separating us. And what Jesus Christ did to bring you to God and to bring me to God is, and that's what the cross is all about. You see, many times people haven't been able to connect the dots that Jesus died for them. Them. As if they were the only person who ever lived. And so I just drew the cross. Okay? Just like that. So simple. And then I wrote Jesus Christ. All right? And then I, I talked about the fact that, yeah, God is holy and God is just, but the other thing that's true about God is God's loving. God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's what the cross is all about. It's, it's a bridge between us and a perfectly holy God. The cross brings us to God. Okay? Which brings us to the last statement, very last phrase. In fact, it's a, it's a whole sentence. It's, he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. He was put to death in the body. He really died, but he was made alive by the Spirit. Now, I, um, I love what Peter wrote here, how he finished this. Because it gives us the number one reason for our faith in Jesus Christ. It gives us the number one reason that we would want to give our entire lives to following him as Savior and Lord of our life. In fact, Peter, if you wanted to take it all and bring it down to one word, Peter would say the number one reason that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, it all comes down to the resurrection. The resurrection. I just love Peter's story. I don't know if you've ever heard it. But Peter and his brother Andrew had just spent a night fishing. He, they were fishermen. And Jesus is, has the crowds of people, and he, he's coming, and all the people are there with him, the crowds of people. And it's, it's in the morning. Peter and, and Andrew had fished all night, and Jesus said, can I use your boat just to preach from? And they said, sure. And so they pushed the boat out a little ways, and Jesus preached for an hour or whatever it was, and they're washing their nets, and I think they're listening to what Jesus is saying. And at the end of that time, as he finishes, Jesus says to them, let's go fishing. And I think if Peter would have been up here, he would have he probably would have said, you know what, everything in me wanted to tell him, I'm tired, I just want to go home. We didn't catch a fish all night. But he said, I'm sure glad we didn't because we went out in that boat and we caught more fish than we've ever caught. And they left their nets and they left their boat and for three years they followed Jesus as his disciples. And at the end of those three years, they were absolutely convinced that he was who he said he was, the Son of God, that he was Israel's Messiah. They believed it. And then Jesus was arrested and Peter denied even knowing him. And then Jesus Christ was crucified on a Roman cross. And Peter's faith went down to zero. It became nothing. He gave it all up. He thought it was all over. 
And so if I had Peter up here on this platform and I said to him, well, Peter, what changed it for you? Why did you go from someone who denied Christ to someone who gave the rest of your life to Jesus Christ? And Peter would say, what changed me is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He'd say, resurrection changed it all. He said, I saw Jesus die. There was no question in my mind he was dead. I saw the empty, I saw the tomb he was buried in. And I saw that same tomb empty three days later. And better than that, he said, I saw Jesus. And then Peter would say, I even had breakfast with him. And I read that chapter this week, John chapter 21, where Jesus just did a full circle on Peter. And Peter and, and, and disciples had been out fishing. Again, it was all night. And Jesus, as they're coming to shore, Jesus is standing there. And he said to them, do you have anything to eat? And he had a, he had, he had a fire there. And he had fish for them. And he had bread for them to eat. It's just an incredible time. Absolutely incredible. And so Peter would say, why I followed Jesus, I had breakfast with him. I had breakfast with him. You know what makes sense, doesn't it? You hear somebody predict over and over again that he's going to be crucified and that he's going to rise from the dead and then he does it and you have breakfast with him. You can understand why Peter said, I'm going to follow him the rest of my life and I'm going to die for him. Ask Peter, and his one-line answer to the, for the reason for his hope, he would say, I have hope because Jesus rose from the dead. That's the reason. And friend, that's the number one reason for us to give anybody when they ask us, what's the reason for the hope that you have? You can say, I have hope because Jesus rose from the dead. It's a foundation. That's the epicenter of your faith. It all comes down to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you really believe this, if you really believe it, if you genuinely believe it, then you're going to share it with others. And so I'll say it again. A person with genuine faith is someone who is going to prepare themselves to share Christ. I, you know, that's it. And so, don't, friends, don't ever say to yourself, maybe someday, maybe someday, don't ever say that to yourself. I hope nobody walks out of this place today saying, well, maybe someday I'll do it. Oh, no. Instead, walk out of this saying, saying to yourself, I want to share Christ with another person as quickly as I possibly can and prepare yourself, begin preparing yourself now to do it. You can do it. You can do it. All you have to do is memorize this one verse. This one verse. And, and if you need some time to memorize it, then just write it down on a card and then begin praying your heart out that God would give you an opportunity to share Christ with another person. Now you can do it. You can do it. One of the things that we, I want to do with this sermon to help you, and I checked, uh, we're going we're gonna to have this sermon right, you know, where you can go online and watch our sermons or listen to them. There's a place there where you could, uh, we're going to put the sermon. 
that I've got right here, and we're going to put it, and you can download it, and it'll help you remember what we talked about this morning, okay? Uh, <laughs> we've all got Mike and Colleen Jacobis in our life. Every single one of us do. You know, in fact, you know what's so fun? After, after first service, I had a guy come up to me, uh, he and his wife, and he said, I can't believe this. And they, they've been going to Brookside just for a little bit. He said, I went to high school with Mike. I knew what Mike was like. He said, and I saw the change in Mike's life. All, every one of us have a Mike and Colleen in our life. Just think of the joy that I have when I saw Mike and Colleen last Sunday. Think of the joy of all of the years knowing the difference it's made in their life, in the lives of their two children. We can all experience that. We can all experience that. For the glory of God. Let's pray and then we'll worship, okay? So Father, I pray that your spirit will convince us that what Peter said is the absolute truth and give us the strength, Father, to be obedient to it for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.